On this episode of AV Week, we talk Infocom, why tech managers should get their CTS, and a masterclass in support. All this and more on this episode of AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 531. Sorry, Tim. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. Welcome to this episode of AV Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, filling in for Mr. Tim Albright for avnation.tv this week. I'm pleased to be joined by three of my closest friends. First, we have Melissa Dillman. She is the Director of Business Strategy and Alliances at Stern. How are you doing, Melissa? Hey, I'm doing good. It's great to see you, Matt. It has been way too long. Way too long. Then just down the highway from me is Mr. Brock McGinnis. He's the Vice President of Sales and Operations for Nationwide Audio Video. How are you doing, Brock? I'm well, and it's uh, great to be here, Matt, and great to see you. Great to see you. We, we live like two hours away and we never see each other. It's terrible. And my good friend down in Atlanta, repping the Braves, uh, the new Vice President of Technology for Hall Research is Mr. Ken Eagle. How are you doing, Ken? Hey, Matt. Doing great. Thanks for having me out today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we kick into these stories that Tim uh, asked us to cover, uh, we're going to talk Infocom, because why not? And he <laughs> asked me not to, so we're going to do it. <laughs> um, right? This is why you don't give me the reins of the flagship show, because I cause trouble. Um, I, I will not be attending, and the the only reason for that is mainly logistics. Melissa, are, are are you attending? Is is Staren attending? What's your what's your view on this? So you know, we looked really hard. We were very excited about um, the summer being able to attend, and then with the pandemic as it's progressed, and Orlando being certainly a hot spot, um, we made the hard decision not to attend, and it it really came down to a matter of the payoff, the risk versus the reward. And can I live with the fact that if I send one of my guys and Lord forbid he goes home and gets a child sick, can I live with that? And I can't. So to me for this one, because the next show is in Vegas, it's only eight months away. Um, I'm going to go big in Vegas, but we've opted not to go to this one. Very good. Brock, there, there's been a lot of, um, shall we say, pushback on both people that are attending and people that are not attending. Uh, you and I are kind of in the same boat where getting there is is really half the battle. There, It is not, you can't just drive across, you can't just hop on a plane uh, to, to arrive in Orlando and spend three, four days wearing a mask the whole time and you know, dealing with all of that. Is there any, is there any valid reason for pushback on either decision? 
Yeah. Now, I'm, uh, um, I've stated publicly in the past and will continue that I think uh, Avixa is doing a great job going ahead with, uh, with the show uh, to the greatest extent possible. I, I think that there are a lot of people uh, that want to gather. I was at a regional show myself yesterday. It was fantastic. People haven't mm -hmm. seen each other for 18 months or two years. Um, just, uh, uh, you know, learning about new technology in person is so much better, uh, than learning on a webinar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was able to see product demonstrated and put my hands on product and all those things were really positive. The real unfortunate part is, uh, you know, Florida had the skyrocketing, uh, COVID numbers in July and August. And, uh, today their their daily rates are less than 10% of what they were then. Um, Florida is actually probably as safe as anywhere else on the planet right now. It's just when a lot of corporations like Melissa's, for example, were making, uh, making their decisions, uh, you know, we were seeing 26,000 new cases every day. The hospitals were full. And, uh, you know, you kind of look around the room and across the table and go, we would be out of our minds. Uh, to go there, uh, and and uh, today by those statistics, um, it's probably more dangerous to go to Texas, uh, to the new headquarters of Hall Technologies. By the way, Matt, it's not research anymore; it's technologies. Ah, my so anyway, I, um, I I think it's great for the people that are going. They're going to have a great time. There's going to be less of them. Uh, a lot of exhibitors have made uh, decisions. I think not based on return on investment at all, um, but they've made the decisions based on the, the safety, security, liability that they have towards their staff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, you know, losing your booth deposit or your booth space really is like 10 or 20% of the overall cost of going to an event. So it's, it's, not, it's not a big deal uh, from, uh, from that perspective. I'm I'm jealous. I'm going to have you know serious FOMO. I'm probably going to pay my fifty nine bucks to watch the online stuff. Um, but from a personal perspective, crossing the border, um, you know, having uh, multiple other invasive procedures and all those things, uh, to, just for the privilege of wearing a mask for three days, I think I'm staying home. Ken, on the other hand, is going to the show. You lucky guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the plug, Brock. <laughs> Hall Hall Technologies uh, rebranded from Hall Research to Hall Technologies. We will be there. We've we've made a few changes. You know, where it's a smaller show, so we're not going to be there full force like we were originally planning. Had had the show gone off, you know, without a hitch. Um, so rather than having a booth, we actually have a meeting room. Uh, Fifty four seventy four is our meeting room. It's on the show floor. And we'll be doing some demo out of there. And we have a lot of meetings set up directly with dealers who wanted to be there and wanted to meet with us. So we've arranged to have a space and be there to be able to talk to them. So it's a little different than, uh, than you know, in uh, Infocom in the past. But we'll still have a presence. Uh, we do have new things to show. We do have new things we want to launch and talk about. And we do have customers who haven't been able to see us in a while. We want to be there to be in front of them. And... Uh, one of our, our partners in Canada, DVOD, have been doing a show uh, across the country uh, over the past, I think, two months or so. And our sales team have, you know, jumped through all the hoops to get vaccinated and meet all the requirements and have been traveling to Canada and doing that show. And that might be the one you were at, Brock. That is the one that I was at yesterday. And there was, in fact, a Hall 
technologies yep. booth. Yep. Wayne was there and uh, he had the, the table set up. And so, you know, it, it is, it's great to get out and, and to see people and to, like you said, Brock, touch the product a little bit and, and learn in person. So we hope to do some of that at Infocom, but do it in, in as safe a way as we can for everyone involved. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the disappointing side to me is, or, or has been just some of the, the mudslinging back and forth. So I was, I'm, I'm glad I was able to bring that back up for everyone. <laughs> And everyone listening, because I got a I got a kick out of it. Um, let's let's move on before I get uh, significant hate mail from Tim. Uh, this comes to us from AV Technology and uh, AVNetwork.com. Why technology managers should get their CTS. Uh, Caroline writes a, a really good piece on really why uh, if you're a technology manager, you should go ahead and and work towards getting your CTS or your CTSD, CTSI, and talks to uh, a friend of ours, Mike Peterson, as well as the one and only Mr. Espinoza. Brock, when you see this, I'm always confused at at the occasional pushback to really anyone in the industry getting a certification, getting something they can put on their shingle or, or put after their name. For technology managers specifically, is there any reason not to go get your CTS? Uh, no, um, and and in fact, it's uh, it's very very popular in the technology uh, you know management community, both in institutions, um, educational institutions, and and uh, uh, corporations. I mean that that is one of the most important things on their resume that will help them get a promotion or help them get their next job. Um, if they're going from a small school to a big school, um, I think if you look at, uh, for example, the CTSD and CTSI holders in Canada, you'll find that more than 50% of each uh, are, are in fact employed by institutions or corporations. And I think that's fantastic. Um, the uh, As an integrator, I always used to have issues with ill-informed, uneducated customers, uh, because a smart customer is a good customer. And, uh, um, you know, the customers that got wrapped up with only one brand and only one way of doing things. And, you know, I've been, uh, I've been buying my projectors from this company since 1979. And why should I interchange now? Um, but, uh, but with solid education uh people are making good decisions and you know it equips them to do their job better as well as communicate better to their superiors who write the checks not yeah, sorry not superiors to their bosses <laughs> very, very good uh ken one of the one of the pushbacks that you hear quite often uh usually from the detractors but but notwithstanding is that the the cts cert may not hold much weight outside of the community outside of the industry but especially if you're in a tech manager position your community is one of the few that that recognizes it should that not eliminate that 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 point well you would think it should eliminate that point but you're right i hear that same pushback there you know where does it carry weight so then you got to ask, is it, is it worth the time and the investment to get it? Is it worth me as a business owner to pay for my employee to be away and, and to go and get it? Um, 
it, it, it should probably be pushed at the higher ed level somewhere, right? Where 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 we're at least getting some some knowledge of this outside of just the AV industry, so that it does carry weight and have some value, because you've got a lot of people coming out of college with uh, IT degrees, with engineering degrees, uh, who end up in in this industry here but they still could use the AV training and that's not available in the college yet. So we've got to find a way to get them to this, make it knowledgeable because you're right when they come in and I, and I'm looking at a resume of somebody, you know, and I see, you know, you know engineering, or I see, you know, you studied business, you, you see a number of things that come out of, out of a college um, course or a program, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've been prepared for the AV industry. And uh, it, it would be, Nice to be able to get people focused on that and get that education so they have that. Uh, I know the article talked a bit about, too, um, on-the-job training uh, when you're looking at getting your CTS versus actually learning the material. Uh, and so there definitely is some study and, and there's work that's got to be done. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, I'm, I'm really glad you're here for this one because I know that you've worked in the, the educational side, not, not the educational industry per se, but the educational side of, of teaching classes for uh, CTS, you, you've done stuff on the, the CDA side as well. What, what, what has to happen for a broader acceptance or even knowledge of what a CTS holder brings to their position? What, what, what makes that CTS holder hopefully be elevated over another candidate or, or another employee? What has to happen to, to continue to increase that awareness? Um, I think in order to increase the awareness to get more acceptance, it's got to be um, probably handled in a little different way. Um, the CTS, you know, I've taught it. I taught it for many, many years. And I found that the best success with that was after somebody had been in the industry for a little bit um, because there's a lot of aha moments. All of a sudden they understood why they were doing what they were doing, right? Someone taught me how to do this, but I don't know why. And CTS answered a lot of those questions. Um, that's, that's probably its biggest value. Does that translate to anybody else? Not so much. Um, I've had my CTS, my D and my I for 20 years. Um, never gotten a raise over it. I've never gotten hired for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the best I've gotten is, oh, you have a DNNI. You must know something. And that's really what it does, right? It gives us a baseline that mm -hmm. says you were able to complete an exam and prove you know something. Um, does it mean you know it all? No. Does it validate that you know it ongoing? No. But it does set a baseline to begin with. So it's great education. I guess if you're wanting to better yourself and understand what you do better, it's a great tool. Mm -hmm. if you're doing it because you think it makes you, you know, um, more money. I've never seen that happen. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll, and I'll disagree, Melissa. I'm not sure that we're coming into an era now that you won't be able to become a tech manager at a large institution unless you have one of the D or the I. Um, I, I think that, uh, the outside world is beginning to recognize that it is the only thing, you know, not doing sound at your church, 
uh, not having started in the AV club at school, uh, but it is the only measure uh, of an advanced education and knowledge in our industry. And there is, um, you know, and, and there's lots of people with 30 years of experience, but most of them, uh, we all know, have had one year of experience 30 times. It's, uh, I, I, I think it's a real plus uh, at the company I'm managing today. I've been there a year and three months. Uh, we've had two of our people certified with CTSDs since I arrived. Um, and that was a heavy priority, including uh, getting an, an Avixa Apex certification for the company that uh, we're working towards. So um, I know it's all uh, uh, it's all old hat to you, Melissa. And honestly, I always thought that the D in CTSD was for Dillman, um, <laughs> because you taught that course so long uh, at. Uh, uh, at the Infocom show, uh, but I'm a I'm a huge advocate for not just be educated, but show that you're educated. Be willing to write the exam um, and put yourself on the line. And a lot of smart people in the industry, of course, fail the first once or twice or three times before they uh, they finally get around to it. Um, but uh, uh, get yourself out there and and uh, in the institutional world. Um, it, it is the only mark uh, of achievement, um, you know, within AV. And, you know, Brock, for what you're saying in technology managers, probably 10 years ago when I was in the thick of training, we saw a definite shift where the universities were um, really focused on it for a variety of reasons. They wanted to be edu better educated about their system designs. They wanted to be able to make choices wisely in that when you focus to the integrate into the tech managers of higher ed, I would say they probably are the one group who's done the most mm -hmm. in recognizing, understanding and educating themselves about the AV industry. So they're they're a little bit of a subset, right? They've done a great job. I'd like more of our manufacturers uh, to invest in that kind of certification and training as well. Um, because it, uh, uh, you know, there, there's often a disconnect between design engineers and manufacturers uh, reps mm -hmm. solely because the design engineer doesn't necessarily respect the manufacturer's rep um, uh, knowledge and, and experience about their product. And uh, I don't know if you have these conversations internally, Ken, um, but it's... Uh, um, uh, yeah. it, it, an immediate barrier breaker if somebody yeah. says, no, no, I, I'm, I'm a CTSI. I know what you guys do every day. Yeah, no, you're right on it. We see that a lot. And I've been involved on the education side of things in the AV industry for quite a while. I've always mm -hmm. been a big proponent of pushing it. It definitely carries weight. And one of the things I think, um, one of the things I've always thought was great was having, no matter where you are, if you're on the engineering side or the sales side or somewhere in between, is having a foundational knowledge across all the different disciplines because that helps you better communicate and understand what's going on in the industry, what your customer needs, what your customer is trying to do. Uh, you know, you, you could have an amazing background in, in video, uh, but not have much background in audio or in system design or, or even understand uh, what happens at the board level inside of a black box that your company produces. There's, there's some foundation knowledge that should be there for everybody because it, it, it makes us stronger as, com as a company when each of our individuals are stronger with their knowledge. Yeah.
Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's uh, let's move on for a minute and hit a story that comes to us from AV Magazine. As I lost my title, uh, a masterclass in AV support. This covers uh, what a university in Glasgow is doing uh, as far as how they're managing support within that uh, facility and essentially comparing how in a uh, corporate space, you may not use your rooms every day, all day long, but in an educational space, they're booked solid 100% of the time and how uh, that that school went about um arranging their support department for that. Uh, Ken, let me, let me start with you on this one. When we start to look at looking at supporting a, a facility, either internally or as an integrator supporting your clients, how do you go about trying to scale your support team appropriately? <clears throat> that's a, that's a tough question, but a very important one. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things you really got to think about, especially when you're talking about an education institution like this. Um, number one, uh, these classes run back to back. And as a, as a professor coming in to teach a class, you've got at best about five minutes to get your material up electronically and ready to go for your class to see, or you lose it, right? You lose the audience and you lose the ability because you've got about maybe a 45-minute class to teach in. So if you lose more than that, you're not going to get your whole lesson planned in. So um, number one, sense of urgency and response time are critical. Second, when you're doing any kind of update or work in an, in an education environment like this, 90% of the time, you're going to be doing it after hours on evening or weekend mm -hmm. when those classes are not running. So your support team has got to be able to be built around the needs of that institution and uh, what their availability is for you to get in there. And not only that, third, uh, having a um, having a closet of swappable products so that if you do have something that's down, you immediately have the ability to swap something out on the fly and get the class back up and running. So, again, you know, scaling, scalability is having products to, to back up what you've got out there and having team, enough, enough hands, staff, feet on the floor, ready to be dispatched at a moment's notice to keep up with the demanding uh, needs of that, those back-to-back -back uses of those rooms. That's great. And money. <laughs> and, yeah, and definitely money. Um, Melissa, you might, might have stole part of your, your answer there for a minute on, on the question I'm going to ask you, but how do you go about properly empowering your support department to be efficient, to be uh, expedient when it comes to a, a situation? So conveniently, that article happens to mention our parent company, Midwich. I noticed that. <laughs> and that they're using my support. So at Midwich, um, what we have been, what we have is a whole technical department who can answer questions 24 five um, and are able to monitor proactively, assist in a certainly higher ed where you need that sort of notification quickly to get things up and running. So um, the My Support team is large, um, Midwich, you know, spares no expense. We have a lot of guys specialized who can answer all your questions. And the bonus here in the States, you'll probably get to talk to somebody with a British accent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not as fun as talking to a Canadian, but no. um, 
but no, so we've, we've um, engaged in that and it's all of our parent companies, basically. Uh, we all work together and solve problems. It also gives us great visibility. So we can see a problem that starts happening maybe in Europe um, that we're unaware of in the States. And we can monitor that. And when it happens here, go, oh, hey, we know what that fix is. So mm -hmm. no, I think having a highly skilled team is really important to be able to supply that service. That's fantastic. Brock, let, let's let's wrap this up with you. Um, I, I kind of like to bring support back to the start. How do you go about ensuring that you are doing everything you can from a, a design and a sales point to by extension, ensure that those systems that you've designed or sold are incredibly easy to service because no one, no one builds or, or sells anything that never needs service. I don't care who you are. How do you, how do you go about doing that? I was hoping you could tell me. Well, <laughs> I got a list of brands you can use, but oh. we don't do that on this show. <laughs> so standards are important across an enterprise or an institution. Um, and, you know, if necessary, you can move people from one meeting room to another meeting room or one classroom to another classroom and, um, and everything is the same. Um, and the only challenges is when you get into the ultra large, uh, lecture theaters where things are really complex or the large divisible combinable meeting rooms. And those tend to be, uh, also the ones that are the highest visibility. Uh, the ones that involve the most uh, senior members and so, uh, you know, and have the have the greatest risk, um, you know, part of I have uh, I have scars uh, from a long career of things breaking down at absolutely the worst time. And uh, and uh, the one thing that that, you know, scar tissue will teach you is to have the conversation right from the beginning about who's going to be using it, how it's going to be used. Um, and who's going to be supporting it and how. So, you know, you can have uh, redundant systems. You can uh, have systems that are hot swappable. Um, but the, uh, ultimately, the ones that I've had the most success with uh, over the years are simple systems. The simpler it is, the less options the user has, um, the less they will get themselves in trouble. And that, uh, you know, building things for 90% uses and 90% of users uh, is, is a way to avoid uh, some of those uh, pitfalls and then have a professional come in for the 10% uses uh, with the extraordinary equipment um, for the 10%, you know, with that 10% applications. And, and frankly, these are our conversations that are happening all the time, extraordinarily expensive. Uh, to be able to have somebody on staff who, for example, knows uh, how to hot swap a card in a uh, DM matrix switcher, even if they get the right card in the right time. And of course, you know, the card on the shelf is three generations of firmware behind. And like it, it's, um, it's not as simple. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you can't in every environment, uh, other perhaps than the military have that spare matrix switcher behind. So, um, so accepting that failure will be inevitable and let's do everything we possibly can to reduce the potential for failure uh, from the beginning 
and uh, often that that comes down to good planning and good simplicity and anybody in the live events business uh, you know the uh, live events is all about uh, an understanding that everything that can fail will and when it does fail it will be at the worst part possible time so our job is to be prepared for that um, and uh, uh, and and it's an interesting generation now of AV buyers because they understand a persistent need uh, for the systems to be working mm -hmm. uh, you know once upon a time it was uh, the big fancy boardroom and it was one meeting a month and you went in and tested everything beforehand and you went through all the slide decks and everything in advance and and it was going to be perfect for the CEO um, now uh, you know the having an IT customer uh, IT is a 999 uptime requirement in every corporation and so that that customer gets it and they also get that uh, the users will fail the technology uh, long before the technology itself fails and when it does fail as long as there's a mechanism for real quick response uh, we're good and uh, uh, nationwide AV has a lot of ser uh, service contracts with important institutions um, so yeah, that's fantastic. Part of the deal. That's a, a wonderful answer to that question. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all for joining us. Ken, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Hull Technologies, where can they do that? I love the social media, so you can catch me on all the socials. Uh, K Eagle is my username there. And you can always catch Hull Technologies at HullTechAV.com and, of course, at booth or meeting room 5474 at Infocom if you're there next week in Orlando. Awesome. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Mr. McGinnis, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Nationwide Audio Video, where can they do that? They probably don't want to learn more about Nationwide Audio Video, but it's... Uh, they it's, want to learn uh, about rock, you. Come on. Rocket Nationwide AV. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, sometimes ranting, sometimes raving, uh, at Brock McGinnis. And uh, uh, a big fan, of course, of, uh, of avnation.tv and all that you do for the industry. Oh, thank you, sir. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. If people want to connect with you, learn more about uh, Starin or the parent company, Midwitch, where can they do that? They can always do that at Starin.biz. Um, I'm on all the socials, so you can find me there. Um, and it was awesome to get to participate with you today, Matt. Thank you all for, for joining us. Tim will never give me the reins again. Uh, but if you'd like to connect with me and tell me why Tim should give me the reins, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of AV Week. <laughs>